And welcome everyone to another episode of the Anime Secrets Anime Declassified podcast. Where today, me and my co-host are going to be talking and discussing about one of the most seminal films in anime history. For a lot of people, this was their first introduction to anime. It is a movie that has influenced not just anime in general, but also a lot of what works in Western fiction. Musical artists have also paid tribute to this film. We are, of course, talking about the cyberpunk 1988 feature, Akira, based on the 1982 manga of the same name. And today joining me are Clarissa. Howdy, howdy. Mr. Anthony Davis. Yo. And the chief himself, Rizwan Merchant. Red leader standing by. All right. I totally stole that from Clarissa from earlier, and I'm not ashamed. <laughs> hey, you. Much like Akira, that is one thing we can always ape from. Anyway, <laughs> everyone, welcome. So before we kind of get into discussing the movie itself, I kind of want to know, like, when was the first time you guys had actually seen this? Uh, because for myself, it was a event, or it was like a night, back somewhere in like the early 2000s, where Toonami was... Uh, prepping this up because the uh, runners of Toonami were huge, huge fans of this movie and had been trying for a while to get this shown on there. When they finally got the go-ahead to air it, they promoted it. I believe it was like a special Toonami After Dark feature of it as well. So uh, that was like the first time I had seen it, and I was just like blown away. What about you guys? Well, for me, I happened to actually watch, like, I just happened to find it while I was, like, just scrolling through movie channels. I'm just like, huh, what's this? Oh, my God, this is graphic. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I watched it on Toonami or Adult Swim, whatever, with that late night thing you're talking about, Miguel. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was that old. I was probably like somewhere in high school if I had to guess. I don't think I was in college at that point. I'm trying to figure out what year it came out on Toonami, but my Googling has not told me anything yet. <laughs> I actually have the article up on Wikipedia for reference. Uh, Toonami, it was the pioneer dub of the film, and that came out in 2013. Mm, okay. So I was in college. Uh, however, the streamlined dub of it had first come up. Uh, now, I'm on 1987, which is one year before this movie came out. Um, movie came out mm -hmm. in 1988. Uh, so I first saw this movie, and it was the streamlined dub. That was the first dub they made of it. Uh, I first saw it. Because my brother had brought it home. Now, I, I had seen anime before. The first anime I ever saw was actually Joan, uh, Jungle Book Shonen Mowgli. Uh, there was a company called Nippon Animation, and they would localize a lot of stuff of books. You know, there were like Height or Anne of Green Gables. You've pr you might have heard of these. They're, old, they're a lot older. I mean, some of these were made in the 70s before any of us were born. Like, uh, but... My parents had a videotape of that. So, you know, I, I knew a little bit about it. 
I lived near a lot of comic shops, so like, you know, I'd seen Dragon Ball. I liked it. Uh, but when I was seven, my brother had rented it. Uh, my brother was in like middle school or something, and he had rented it, and he was going to do a report on it. And he said, hey, you can watch this, but if mom comes home, you have to leave the room. And I didn't let you watch it, okay? I ain't getting in trouble for this. And so I watched Akira when I was seven years old, and boy, did it make an impression. <laughs> yeah, I think making an impression is uh, putting it lightly. Uh, that movie, maybe we're, maybe me and Riz are suffering like a mandala effect, and maybe we watched it on sci-fi or something else. But... Uh, no, actually, funny you mention that. Uh, sci-fi had the Saturday anime block in the late 90s. And the first time uh, Akira was on TV was in the 90s um, on the Sci-Fi channel. So maybe it's that's just, It was the... There were, there were two dubs. For, like, the 20th anime was for, like... Uh, so, like, in 2008, they did a new version, which I believe was the Pioneer dub. Uh, the Streamline dub was the first one. And that was the one that they had. The one that uh, that Adult Swim put on was the one after the like special edition that had come out after the anniversary edition in two thousand eight, uh, and like they had a Blu-ray I think out. Uh, but this was you know it was like a, a steel DVD and all that stuff. Um, so that was the version that they used. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of cool looking at that, seeing like, you know, Saturday anime was how a lot of people watched some of the OVAs. Like, I remember the mo some of the most played things be on there being uh, the Street Fighter 2 OVA movie, the Fatal Fury movies, mm -hmm. uh, and Dominion Tank Police uh, is deserving of its own episode entirely, I think. Uh, I love that series deeply. Um, but I think it's cool. That, like, you know, my generation, when we were pretty young, we had, you know, our late night don't tell mom, you know, 10 p.m. anime thing whenever it came on uh, on the Sci-Fi channel when I was really young. And then I had Toonami, and then at the same age, I was watching Sci-Fi channel. And I think it's just cool that we both experienced the same video movie in similar ways, like, at the same formative times in our in our existence. Yeah, no, definitely. So, now that we've all kind of talked about the first time we've seen it, what do you guys think of it? Like, what your impressions on the film itself, like, when you watched it, did it live up to the hype that a lot of people said, oh, this is one of the greatest anime films ever, or felt let down, or what did like, how were you feeling in film after you saw it? So, I'm going to start off here. So, I watched Akira probably in the 90s on a sci-fi thing that Claris was talking about. Honestly, it could have been in Manila if it could have been in 2013, but probably the 90s. And so, given it was in the 90s, and I hadn't seen it since until this past weekend, I, I didn't really remember a lot of it. <clears throat> so, in the interim years from then until now, my outlook on Akira was a classic movie that I saw once when I was a kid. And 
it seemed pretty cool. I, as a kid, enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, and then I watched it as an adult. And I realized really quickly that whatever channel it originally aired on heavily censored it. Like, scenes that I had never even known about were cut from the thing on TV. And so I saw it for the first time truly this past weekend. And so I'm going to have a bit of a different opinion, I think, than most, in that I thought it was kind of a confusing story. Like, a lot of things were happening, but you had to be tracking every movement and making inferences. It wasn't like explicitly spelt out what was happening at certain points. And that made it a bit more confusing to follow. And so, yeah, it was just, to me, it, it, it's definitely a classic because it had a great impact on, you know, society and the media. But the story itself was pretty damn confusing, if I'm being completely honest to you. Like, I understand the story, but it wasn't a quick, like, okay, I can watch this movie and... Mm-hmm get it immediately you know like i have to like mm-hmm. pause be like wait what the heck just happened and rewind watch it again and be like yeah. oh okay and there are reasons for that in the uh in the production uh which we can get into later <laughs> yeah i figured there's some stories to that i mm-hmm. i haven't dug into the akira history too much yet so i'm thinking i'm gonna learn a lot tonight but my initial thoughts were movie was for the time, phenomenally animated. Soundtrack was pretty good. Characterization and plot, eh. It could have been better. Not gonna lie. So, yeah, I, I, I see the impact <coughs> on, you know, anime history. But I also throw out there that it didn't live up to the hype for me, per se. Uh-huh. So I will let somebody else give their thoughts now. Anthony? Um, I overall liked it. Um, <laughs> there, it's funny that I, I'm still seeing references of the Akira to this day. Um, I know at one point, uh, Robot Chicken actually did like, like a funny um, get using Akira characters and, and the, uh, the lore and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, that's where that came from. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. There... It has a, uh, it has quite the influence on a lot of, a lot of things. Like, we don't have really the time to go into it, but there's a video that is, I believe at this point, about 15, 18 minutes long of just Oh, I think I know the one, and it is the iconic bike slide, which is, I think, one of the most classic Scenes from a movie, from any movie, live action or animated, ever. Like, that's, that scene is up there with, like, E.T. flying in front of the moon. Or Luke blowing up the Death Star in terms of how, like, not just how famous it is, but how many times it's been copied or parodied or had homage made to it. In popular culture. Yeah. Uh, but 
for me it's like when i first saw it i was like wow this looks really pretty it looks nice and then re-watching it because when i rewatched it it was when they had released it in theaters i want to say like maybe like two or three years ago it was for an anniversary uh or it might have been hyping up the 4k release of it but they re-released it in theaters and seeing the animation like for something that was released in 88 like seeing it even today just like looks oh good still like the animation just is top notch you go from the slide scene to uh Tetsuo just rampaging through the hospital, like taking his enemies out, like everything just still pops out. It still looks good. And, you know, that's just something Big that. Big budget. Uh, there are rumors uh, that it had a budget of 1 billion yen. Uh, however, the uh, the producer, uh, what I like, no, we didn't we didn't spend that much. We spent a lot of money because the initial one was seven hundred million yen, which was uh, which is about five point five million uh, U.S. dollars. Now, to put that into perspective, five point five million is about what like you know they made they made like. Friday the 13th for less than 5.5 million, I think, and look at how successful that was. Like, that was one of the most expensive animated films of its time, and it had it had people on it, like uh, Maka, uh, Makiko Futaki. She, she was the lead animator on Princess Mononoke and Howl's Moving Castle and Kiki's Delivery Service. Unfortunately, she passed away in 2016. But, like, you know, she... That was one of the she was one of the key animators, and then she went on to be lead for like three of the biggest Ghibli movies ever made. You know, it working on Akia established a pedigree with people, and working with Katsuhiro Otomo, who's a very interesting person, he almost deserves he also deserves his own. There's so much going on with that man, it's he's so he's so fascinating. Um, but like, you know. Working on this picture got people very, very far, and it shows because people watched it and they were blown away. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like they had a pretty good budget for that time for uh, for making the animation look like the way it did, and it still, in my opinion, it still holds up really well. Uh, but does. even so, like. You know, to Riz's point, uh, I actually feel the opposite. I feel like the characters actually hold up better now on my second rewatch than on my first one. Don't get me wrong, the story can get a bit confusing, especially towards the end, because there there's a lot of there's a lot going on. You have I want to say like three or four interweaving storylines going on there. You know, you have the gangs stuff with Canada and Tetsuo at the beginning. You have have Kaul in there. You have the story of how the kids with the uh, psychic powers, the espers, like what they were conducting the experiments on. And you you basically, and then not to mention uh, 
trying to think of uh the not the uh not uh revolutionaries world. but yeah you also have the revolution like you have a lot of things going on but to me that kind of just shows kind of the chaos and kind of the fallout that's going on in neo tokyo at that time where you have like things hard to keep up with but in that story it makes sense you know you're not going to get like a whole like piece by piece thing there's going to be things that are going to be left out in the dark just because of how much has gone on already in there and you know the movie just takes like a part of the manga but it doesn't adapt everything from it you know it condenses it so a lot of things that probably were explained in the manga itself just are kind of left out but for what the story that they were telling there it's just like you know, you could see, you know, the one of the common story tropes that everyone still follows is like unrest amongst youth, uh, you know, corruption of the government, failing of a government, you know, the elites, like all that stuff is still still holds up to this day. And that's why I think like growing up and having experience or having seen a lot of those events play out in real life, it's like, oh shit. Yeah, they're not too far off from this in this movie. And like genuinely, I yeah. I still enjoyed it. Like I still think the story holds up great. It's you know it can be a lot to follow, especially if once you get to the Esper's portion of it, it can lose a bit of steam for people. But like that, for me, like that is precisely where things started to be difficult. I feel is is at that point because everything. Before oh, that, I have so much to say about that. And please do. Okay, yeah. so um, my initial impression was that was fucking awesome. That also was scary and weird and made me feel weird because I'm a child. Uh, however, I rewatched it since. I grew to love it. I, I, I was blown away. I'd never seen a movie like that. You know, I had seen Dragon Ball and like The Jungle Book. Those were my frames of reference. And uh, it got me so hooked on anime watching that film. That's what really jump-started it. Dragon Ball taught me that what I was watching that I liked was, in fact, anime. Uh, Akira jump-started the bug and really got me into it. Uh, and it got me so into it that I started doing more research. And I started reading the manga. And here's the thing about the manga and the anime. Up to the point, at the point where Tetsuo gets out of the hospital, they are completely different. They are not the same story at all. Part of the reason why is the manga was not finished when they made this movie. And this movie was released two years before the manga officially ended in 1990. Uh, you know, Katsuhiro Otomo had even uh, that it was the worst idea he could imagine. It was the worst possible idea to make a film before finishing the manga. Um, and he was actually displeased with it. He felt he cut too much. Like, there are claims that he had like 2,000 pages of notebooks with character designs and concepts and storyboarding and all sorts of stuff, plot threads, everything. 
it was very difficult for him to complete the manga. Um, and like he said that like he had to begin with writing an ending that would bring closure to the major characters in the storylines and the themes. And it couldn't be too long because he knew I have to cut things out. And he worked in reverse order about what was going to be cut, but he still thought a lot was going to be cut. And there was a lot that was cut. Um, you know, this is kind of spoilers. Um, you know, spoilers for a movie that's or like 30 years old at this point. I was going to say, like, I don't think any of us were uh, worried about spoilers here. In the anime, well, I just, you know, I'm covering my bases. In the anime, in the film, Akira was experimented on until there was nothing left of his body. Akira is dead. In the manga, Akira is very much alive. He comes to Tetsuo and breaks him out of the hospital and says, come with me and we'll make a new world. We'll raise an army and we'll show everybody the mistakes that they made and how wrong they are and will destroy in the manga kaori does not get crushed in tetsubo's mutated body he has his gunman execute her because she won't join him uh now that's a huge difference isn't it um there are there's there are whole characters that get cut out there's this you know, lady who's this big thing. And the revolution storyline is way bigger. Um, in that, and that's a lot of that, and a lot of the chaos is because Katsuhiro Otomo grew up at a time in Japan, like in the 1960s, when there was a lot of political chaos going on. There were hard right groups that were fighting in the streets with hard left groups. The police were beating up and fire hose. There was like a nationalist group that eventually uh, took over like a dormitory and said that they were taking it for the Empire of Japan. Uh... And it ended with the guy who was taking the dormitory committing seppuku because he refused to be arrested. Like, there was a lot of really intense text or fully, you know, I'm not fully qualified to speak on that because it is not my, it's not my, you know, dialed in expertise of history. But that greatly affected him. And I think a lot of that frenetic chaos, that confusion is a part, like, I think it is very intentional. Like you'd said earlier, you know, there's chaos in Neo Tokyo, and the story and the feel and pacing of the story reflects that. And I think the conf- I can see it. I can see people getting confused, and it, it is unfortunately a combination of, like, largely things getting cut out, and Katsuhiro Otomo having to work with an unfinished manga and adapt that into a movie and shorten it so much because he knew he could only get it within a certain time frame. That being said, I think it's one of of all time, including live action and animation. Uh, it is certainly one of the most brilliant animated films of all time. I would say it is in the top five. Oh, yeah. It's, it is really, really good. Like, but... I would always say, like, talking about it 
can only do so much. Like you have to go watch some of the you have to go watch it to kind of like experience it itself. It is definitely an experience, and I recommend if you're an anime fan that you watch it at least once. I I'd even if you're not an anime fan, I think people should watch because... it. Like. Yeah, no, definitely, but, you know, as some, as an anime fan, it's a quintessential, you must watch it. Um, that, that, that's my greater point there. Obviously, yeah, anyone should watch it, but, um, mm-hmm. you know. Because it really, anime, you enjoy the kind of movie. when you watch it, you start seeing where mm-hmm. a lot of stuff came from. Mm-hmm. Like the bike scene. That, that was... I can't tell you how many times I've seen that scene in movies and different anime. And to kind of realize it came from Akira, that was pretty cool. Like, to know, oh, this is the origin of it. Everyone Mm -hmm. saw it here, and they are paying homage to this really awesome scene. You know, like, that. that's pretty cool to me. Yeah, I was actually really surprised when I saw it in uh, Nope of all movies. In what? Uh, Jordan Peele's new movie, Nope, that came out this past summer. I'm actually going to watch it tonight for my uh, Halloween movie. Yeah, no, I like I like I heard someone make reference or like say like, oh, yeah, this is probably going to happen or there's like an Akira reference. I'm like, oh, I want to say it was one of like the uh, it was from the uh, post uh, uh, influencer embargo. And someone who said, I was not expecting an Akira reference in this movie, but I got it. I'm like, all right, so someone's going to get a motorcycle at this point. <laughs> and when I saw it, I'm like, that looked good. That looked good. But yeah, no, it's like we've seen it in live action. So many anime, uh, so many, you know, even Western animations. And, you know, it's just one thing that's going to be... Uh, I think as long as people are making animations, they'll uh, keep showing up in there. I mean, I won't lie. Every time I rode a motorbike in Cyberpunk 2077 before I got off, I always did the slide. I mean, I always, I always did the slide, uh, but a lot of that was also because I lost control of my bike and I needed to stop before I hit somebody. <laughs> but I did feel cool while I did it. <laughs> yep, yep. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. oh yeah no definitely and yeah you know to talk about like the movie's influence like i said like several musical artists have uh promoted it or shown clips Uh, of it in their music videos i think in particular had a very akira inspired music video didn't they oh uh they had one for breaking the habit yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, I remember when that video came out. No, I want to say theirs was more I anime re- inspired. I mean, Kanye was himself ripped mm-hmm. off the hospital escape scene. Yeah, in his music video for Stronger. Yep, like scene from scene, like that is Tetsuo rampaging through. And this was back in. Mm-hmm. And Stronger came out in like two thousand five, two thousand six. Let's just say mm-hmm. we're uh we're not going to talk about Kanye. <laughs> Oh, this was when he was still Let's, slightly uh, crazy, but not as crazy. That is a hot potato. <laughs> Let's uh, not... mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Let's not go there. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, it's it's really it's really fascinating. I think um, to see something hold up like that. Oh yeah. Because I remember growing up, anime had a lot of stigma to it. You know, it was it was it was nerd stuff. You got made fun of it. You got made fun of life for liking Spider Man. Uh, and like I got that real bad. But then, like you know, and, and there and there was there was and still is this idea of oh, animation's for kids. And I'm like, how can you? How can something like Akira exist? Like, I'll I'll straight up admit it. I should not have watched that when I was seven years old, probably. But I, but I definitely not. No, probably not. It did. It's not kid stuff. There was a not for kids sticker with kid with a frowny face and a big no sign. Uh, that's how you knew the anime was cool was if it had that sticker on it. Uh, you know, stuff like that. And Ninja Scroll. <laughs> uh, to be honest, though, Ninja Scroll is OK, but it is nowhere near as good as Akira. And it's honestly pretty trashy and quite gross in, in certain parts. <laughs> Uh, no, but, um, it's, you know, a, a lot of my opinions and a lot of my joy surrounding anime is how newer, younger people get introduced into it, because now you're able to stream stuff. Now anime is normalized. Now, like, there are people who are like, yeah, my grandkids, like, you know, my kids love anime, my grandkids love anime or whatever, like... Stuff like that. Um, it's cool. It grow so much and become more accessible and watch people be able to watch the things that I saw that had such an impact on me. I know it's a little apropos of nothing and a little non sequitur, but I, I just always have to have to have to swoon over it. Hey, swoon away. Definitely. But, like, I think overall, we all enjoyed the film. Uh, and just, like, thinking back on it and, you know, how much it's, ne it's neo-punk or it's cyberpunk, essentially, has influenced not just, like, other animes, musicians, like, a lot of video games as well. But, yeah. You also got to talk, like, as cool of a movie it is to watch, it can be hard. Because there are some kind of grotesque things about it, especially in the film uh, towards the end where, you know, he straight up loses control and just becomes the... Yeah. You know, we've seen that also parodied, parodied uh, in a bunch of stuff, but still, like, if there's... A lot of things I took from my initial or from like my viewings of it, it's just like, yeah, I am still disturbed by uh, what happens to Tetsuo towards the end because, ooh. <clears throat> His I, poor girlfriend nope. did not deserve any of that. No. She just. I know that in the uh, manga, her death is actually not uh, as yeah. gruesome as that was. Yeah, she just gets shot in the back or the head by one of mm -hmm. uh, Tetsuo's commanders. Yeah. He does try to revive her, though, but uh, doesn't. Uh, he didn't have that kind of power. 
Yeah. So, like, overall, I still think it is a seminal work where, like, if you, you know, we'll always say, like, if you like movies, regardless, you should go watch it. Even uh, Ebert in the 90s recommended it. And when they did uh, one of the releases in 2001 and they did a re-review of it, he gave it a thumbs up. Like, it is still a really good movie that, you know, we are an anime-focused podcast, so this is why I'm saying if you're an anime fan, you definitely, and you haven't seen this movie, you definitely owe it to yourself to go and watch it. I myself would recommend if there is, because I don't know how often they do uh, re-releases with this. I know Fathom does a bunch of stuff. So, like, if there's ever a chance for you to watch it in the theater, I recommend that you watch it in the theater. Like, you are going to get, like, some of the best quality and maybe that's why I thought the animation held up so well, because that 4K release in a movie theater just just hit differently than watching it, you know, on your like 27, 33 inch monitor you got next to you. It just like popped out more. Go watch it in a theater, or if it's not showing in a theater, you know, I think I want to say either Crunchyroll or like Hulu has it. Like, I recommend you go watch it. it Crunchyroll is, definitely has it. Yeah. I think that's where you watched it through, Riz. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely go watch it. Uh, while I think, you know, the dub is fine, Johnny Young Bosch is good. Joshua Seth, the voice of Ty, surprisingly did a good Tetsuo. Yeah, I was surprised by that too. I think that's the version I've watched. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the dub isn't bad, but I recommend you watch it in the, uh, in the sub. Uh, just because I think there's a little bit more emotion that the actors give in there compared to the dub. Not taking anything away from the dub, but definitely watch it subbed if you can. It's, it's like sometimes that's all you can say about a movie and say it's phenomenal. You should go watch it. I can say that. Uh, but with that, does uh, anyone have any closing statements before we uh, call it a wrap on this podcast? No, I'm I'm good. Yeah. Um I would say if you're a fan of the film and you like manga, read the manga. Uh because it is a really amazing manga and one of the best manga. Um there's so much more goals get filled in uh and again, it's a completely different story uh after that one point. Um like you i think i definitely if you're a fan or even if you just like manga or if you want to re if you want to just like compare uh definitely read and now granted it's a bit long it's it's six pretty thick volumes uh no it's really really great it's it's an amazing manga it's one of my favorites of all time i'll have to go to uh, a read at some point then anthony uh, I would def- recommend um, watching it, definitely. No, for sure. You know, like, you know, I can only harp on this point so much, but definitely watch it. There is a reason why so many people 
in any form of entertainment still pay tribute to this movie. It is fantastic. And it's something that still, in my opinion, holds up to this day. But I think we can all say definite must watch. And go check it out. But for the Anime Secrets to Classified podcast, this has been Miguel. Hope you guys have a good day. And uh, take care.